This is an SM Media production. Welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, delighted to be here again. Joined as always by Wilson and Shankers. Wilson, how we doing? Hey, thank you. Fine, Scott. Thanks for having us back on. Brilliant. Shankers, what's happening? Aye, uh, good to be here again, Scott. Cheers for having me. Pleasure as always. We've got two very special guests with us in this episode. We're joined first of all by former SFA referee, one of the, the best referees this century in Scottish football, Charlie Richmond. Charlie, pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Scott. D- delighted. How's life? How's, how's everything been? Everything, oh, it's um, murder, isn't it? It's been an absolute uh, terrible year for the, and if we stay to the football calendar, um, no football to watch. No, I've got my, my weekly visit down to watch Shankers trying to batter <laughs> in the goals there. Yeah. <laughs> And then obviously with my son and daughter playing, uh, they're just cooped up in the house, they know, like uh, caged tigers. <laughs> Brilliant. We've got, also got a very special guest joining as well. We've got Stuart Urquhart, the president of the Scottish Amateur Football Association. Stuart, thanks very much for coming on. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. Welcome, Scott. I'm just about worried when you said Charlie's one of the best referees in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I remember him. Never mind. How are you? How are you, Stuart? How's how's? Aye, aye, good. A bit, a bit like what Charlie says. To be fair, obviously, uh, you know, fed up with not being able to get out there with the guys and uh, the football with umpteen meetings, some of which are better than others. But uh, it's frustrating as everybody who's involved in particularly in amateur football knows. So uh, as well as that, like, can we just kind of start off with like, where are where are kind of Kind of negotiate, not negotiations as such, but where are we kind of in the position with amateur football? Obviously, the meeting last week, and I know Wilson's kind of keen to say a few things in this, but where do you kind of stand in the just to kind of let the players and everybody associated with the clubs know where they stand? Well, Scott, it's, I've tried to keep people up on Twitter as much as I could. I never used to use Twitter until the last six or seven months. Um, but basically, where we are is. is not really. I don't feel much further forward. Um, clearly, the government have decided there'll be no football, uh, adult football, apart from the SPFL in uh, level three or level four. Um, so that's level three and level four covers probably 80% of the amateur game. Um, you're right at a couple of meetings, at a meeting with the SFA on Monday. And we had a meeting with the sports minister for Scotland on Friday. Um, both, and we've had other meetings, to be fair, with the MSPs. I've got to be honest with you and say the MSPs who we've met, uh, I've tried to be diplomatic with them, which is sometimes difficult. Um, but I didn't feel, I felt they were towing the party line, if I'm honest. Um, the one on Friday with the sports minister, Joe Fitzpatrick, was a bit better. felt as if he took cognizance of what we were saying. Now, whether that will get us anywhere will obviously be done to the first minister and, and the clinicians. But uh, at least we felt we were listening to on Friday, if you, yeah. if you know what. Mm-hmm. I was just going to kind of bring Wilson in on this as well. Is there anything you kind of want to ask you about the current situation? 
I will. I brought this subject up last week. Um, obviously, I follow Stuart and all the amateur stuff um, on Twitter after being part of it for you know best part of fifteen years at different teams and whatnot. And again, I'm I'm looking for a simplistic approach here. I I don't understand, and I'm quite sure there's several other guys are the same. Why is the semi-professional football level like uh, Darvo, Urban Meadow, all these guys allowed to play yet the amateur football isn't? What I don't know if you can tell us the ins and outs here, but what's what's the government or the SFA's justification on that? What what I can tell you that there's a couple of things, and this is one of the, the arguments or discussions I had with Ian Maxwell, the chief executive of the SFA, and the the sports minister on Friday. It was decided going back uh, August September time that the SPFL would be allowed to play. Professional game, I feel like, would be allowed to play. Um, there was a bit of lobbying for, can we just call them the juniors at the moment, because that's how we all know them really. Um, tier 6, there was a bit of lobbying for them. And in their wisdom, uh, the Scottish Government, assisted by the SFA, uh, decided that Tier 6 would become, come under the Professional Game Board and they would have the same exempt exemptions as the Professional Game. Although, two things, although they don't get tested the way the Professional Game does, I mean, the, 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 the Premier League, I, I think, are tested two or three times a week or something like that, the juniors or the tier six teams don't get tested, uh, but it was, the phrase that's been used is we had to draw the line somewhere. Now, a big argument <coughs> I had on Friday uh, was the fact that you mentioned semi-professional um, as well, which is what the sports minister brought up. Now, two things. FIFA don't recognise semi-professional. FIFA in their statutes, I think it's Rule 5 in their statutes, only recognise the status of professional players and amateur players. So there's no such thing as far as they're concerned as semi-professional. The other point I would make, whether you call that, it doesn't matter to me whether you call them semi-pro or no. The, the, the fact of the matter is that the vast majority of Tier 6 are signed on amateur registrations. I would I would say seventy percent of them on amateur registrations, probably twenty to twenty-five percent on non-contract registrations, which means they get paid or, or they should only get paid up expenses and the rest are professional. Now I would doubt if there's any, certainly there wouldn't be very many that the professional ones are are, are earning a professional wage, if you follow my what I mean, um, there will there probably will be a few in the in the in the top junior teams, maybe earning decent money. But it tends to be, I guess, and certainly going back in my day, try to work at pro rata. Uh, they're probably maybe getting hundred quid, hundred and fifty quid. Um, so that that that's the reason that they're getting playing and we are not. They've got the professional exemption. Uh, I've, I've said to both the SFA and to the sports minister, and in five or six emails that I've sent to the first minister, albeit she's not responded to me, um, 
that it's not, you know, they, they, they work to the same protocols as we do in the amateur game. Uh, one of my big things, yesterday and Friday rather, with the sportsmasters, I said that I actually genuinely believe, clearly it's recreational football, they call it. We know it as amateur, mm -hmm. but it's recreational football. And I said to the first uh, sports minister on Friday that I honestly believe that the government um, believe that recreational football for us or amateur football is 20 or 30 guys going down a park throwing down jackets as goals. They don't, I, I, I don't believe they realise how structured our game is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, Mark, but that, that's, that's the reasoning. It, I don't agree with it, but that's the reasoning. Is it, what you've given is there, Stuart, to be fair, is a, is a, a, a good politician's answer. I appreciate those words aren't coming from you. It's what, it's what you've been told. Um, but as I say, as I no, say, no, 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 to be fair, that, that's what's happened. Uh, it's not me that decided that, obviously. No, no, I know that, I know that. I'm saying that that's the, it's a politician's answer um, that you've been given in, in past yeah. 20 years. And it, it maybe shows a kind of complete disconnect between the higher ends of football and the lower ends because, as I say, from I've been involved I think, in every division in amateur football and it's never been jackets for gold post scenario. No, exactly. It's, it's always been uh, paperwork and uh, ID numbers and addresses and done done properly, yeah. you know, send your team lines in, etc. It's never been this kind of jumpers for goal posts, as you said. And, and that's, yeah. again, that's why I want to join Stuart because, as I say, Right, uh, Charlie spoke earlier about caged animals. We've got about 300 amateur players in Ayrshire that are caged animals just now because of... Absolutely. Is that, is that like, been, sorry to interrupt you, Stuart, but has that been kind of, has that come up in conversation with like, obviously like a lot of players I've spoken to regarding this are worried about the effect on their mental health yeah. with not playing football because I meant, meant that football in a lot of people's eyes, I'm sure Matt, all, all the boys will agree with me on this, that it is an escape for them. It does... It takes them away from their jobs. It gives them that, their hobby such to give them that kind of release from it, kind of everyday life. Has that kind of been mentioned in the kind of meeting yeah. with the kind of sports minister? Yeah. Kind of yeah. Well, the, sport, the sports minister, for example, and, and other MSPs I've spoken to, I have, I have personally brought up the point about the mental and physical well-being of not just the players, um, a prime example, and I'm sure you, you know this, my own team, we've got a guy who is 77 years of age and he's been with our club since the club, well, since two years, it's been with since 1985, two years after they started. The only, the only thing he's got in terms of leisure out with, his, out with home and things like that is his football. Yeah. So it's having an effect on him. It's an effect in me. Uh, I'm not 77 yet, but you know, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, and it's going to affect everybody uh, that's involved in the game, not just the players. Uh, so, yes, that has been mentioned. And I, the other thing I've, I've, I've brought up is I, I understand, or, or we as the SAFE understand, that there's 60,000 plus died in UK through COVID-19 and over one and a half million worldwide. But there seems to be a wee adage, for example, 
I can't go to my granny's house, but if I, if I go to a junior football park and take her into the restroom, I can sit and talk to her. There's, there's absolutely no logic in that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I have mentioned that, and I continue to mention it. The, the, you know, we're now talking about uh, restroom rooms being able to be used. Now, for me, at this point in time, that's crazy. As I pointed out yesterday and Friday, there is far more danger of transmission to guys, whether it's four or five or, or six or whatever, there's far more danger of transmission in a dressing room than there is playing, playing a game. Um, and we all know, we've all been there with the best world in the world, when you say there's only five to go into a dressing room at a time, Somebody will say, can we not just squeeze six and I okay on you go, mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. So that's, and I'm sure that that's happening already. I, I don't have any, you know, out, out with the amateur game, obviously. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's, it's a big problem, you know, that, that in itself. So, so what we've put across, the, the latest meeting we had was, we will, if the amateurs can get playing, bear in mind, you know, our, our governing body is the SFA, so they've got control over what we, we can and cannot do. As Mark mentioned earlier, there's lots of protocols there that, that we've got to uh, deal with. Um, we, we've, we've said we'll, in the shorter term, we'll swap the dressing rooms for being allowed to play the game. Uh, I would like to have the rooms, but we're realistic. As I said, there's a lot of people died because of this thing, and it's Things are no normal, they're far from it. You know, okay, there's a vaccine rolling out now, hopefully, uh, which might help. But the big thing for us, and, and I made the point to Ian Maxwell as well, that yes, SFA are our governing body, and they don't seem to have been very vocal in terms of supporting the amateur game. Uh, and I made that point quite strongly. Uh, they say they've got a plan, they're putting a plan together. I, 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 I don't know what it is exactly yet. What I do know, I couldn't really give you at the moment. It wouldn't be right, because it's, you know. But hopefully they follow through in that. Uh, and the same can be said to the sports minister. Uh, he made lots of notes of what I said, a bit jackets for gold, a bit dressing rooms, a bit, you know, we're allowed to go uh, and do social distance training. Well, aye, that's fine. It gets us out. But he's have all been there. It's not the same. It's not the same. You know, yeah. kicking a ball back. It's not the same as getting together. Um, and, the, and and Jason Leach has said on numerous occasions, which is another point I keep bringing up, is that outdoor sports is probably the safest area in terms of transmission. Yeah. that there is in this, in this uh, COVID-19 year. See, just as well, like, I just feel like that's be the kind of last question I'll ask and I'll kind of pass it over to the boys, but see, like, the kind of thing I thought about it was, like, see, obviously, like, with amateur football, a lot of, a lot of it's played on, like, kind of public parks. Is that, is that an issue? Like, why it's not, why kind of there's no football? Because they can't really be controlled who would come to the games and kind of things like that. Is that issue being kind of discussed as well? No. No, because because we're getting to the stage where the, at the moment we've got a red and an amber zone, which you've probably heard about the red zones, actually the teams are in the amber zones, 
uh, for committee substitutes, da 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 da. da. I'm not talking. There's two things to answer that, uh, Scott. We're now looking at another zone, which I think they're going to call the green zone or the yellow zone. I don't know. I'm colourblind. Um, where they'll allow some supporters there at a distance. Yeah. Part of the reason for that is in the youth game, uh, kids are supposed to be there playing and parents are not supposed to be there. Um, and, and a couple of weeks, three weeks ago, something happened to one of the kids and they'd be phoning his parents parent came, came rushing down. The wee boy had to go to hospital or whatever. I don't know the, all the ins and outs of it. But, so they're talking about that. The other thing is, and another big point I brought up uh, with the SFA, is some of the, the junior teams, a prime example was three weeks ago, I think it was, Ashfield Juniors played, I don't know if you know, they're north of Glasgow, played East School Bride Thistle at Glasgow Green, which is a public park, which yeah. which is more known as an amateur inverted commas park. Also, Wisha Juniors played somebody, I can't remember who it was, at Wisha High School or Wisha Sports Centre. So the 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 public park thing is nothing to do with it. And to be fair, that's never been brought up. That's never been brought up with. So clearly, that's not really an issue as far as they're concerned. You know. Okay. Wilson, you can I? You want to add? And I'll bring obviously Shankers and Charlie in, in this. For the guys, for the guys that will tune in and watch and listen in for you guys, and just into a wee bit more detail there. What what was happening was at Stewarton was you drive to the sports centre in Stewarton and there'd be two members of the committee. One member of the committee would come around with sanitizer, okay? And then we'd all have to queue two metres apart to get up the hill to go onto the Astro. Yep. A, a local <clears throat> boys club team would come off the Astro. We'd have to then walk round the Astro, behind the goal, all the way till across the, high, uh, the halfway line onto our side of the pitch, okay? At the end, there's another gate. So you go out that gate, you stand at your car, you take your kit off, you put it in a, a bag that one of the committee's got in the boot of his car. He doesn't touch it. You just put it all in there, okay? And then you get your shorts and T-shirts. So there was no showers, no changing rooms. It can be soaking wet, whatever it is. Now, I'm led to believe from speaking to other guys at other clubs that this is happening at other clubs. So all the precautions possible. And I'm sure there's guys um, that are probably committee members, volunteers, that are putting their own money in to buy sanitizer and things to make sure that this in now we played a few pre-season as we thought it was going to be pre-season friendly games and you know there was no shaking of hands the referee came over said thanks we spoke we kind of spoke to the guys passing they had to go off first then we had to go off so all precautions that were put in place i would think in fact i'm just going to say a hundred percent of amateur teams are are doing and for it still not to be competitive in games played as it's bizarre. It's, it yep. is bizarre. And I'll tell, I'll tell you another quick thing. See, the, you know the protocols, the protocols you're talking about, Mark, uh, that are in place that the SAFA have put in place. Uh, it, you also didn't mention every club, every amateur club must have a COVID officer. Yep. Must have a COVID. They can't play games without a COVID officer. But what I was going to say, they protocols that we drew up with the help with the help of the SFP and with Sports Scotland. Uh, actually, the the junior clubs, and I use this term loosely, stole their protocols. They didn't, they didn't have any protocols. They took their protocols, which was another one of the big arguments I had. 
discussions I had with, with the SFA and the sports minister. They're working our protocols, but we can't we can't get using them because we're not allowed to play. But Mark's 100% right in terms of clubs, sports, sorry, COVID officers, sanitizers, can he work, can he uh, change in the dress rooms, can he shower? And I understand that part, I really can, as I said earlier. But there's so many other things where clubs are, clubs, amateur clubs are sticking by these protocols. Yet, if you're in uh, level three or level four, he can't play. I should make a point because I, I notice people say on, Twitter, amateur, we're not allowed to play amateur football. That's no strictly true. In tiers three and four, we're not allowed to play. In two, tiers two and one, we can play. Um, but the vast majority of amateur clubs are tiers, currently on tiers three and four. And what, what we've been trying to get at is we should all be allowed to play in tier three. Tier four is maybe a different argument. You know, although we did say if we're going to get, if, if they're going to shut down amateurs for playing in tier four, then everybody else other than the professionals, it's the premiership should be shut down as well. Because we all, we, the, the same problems arise, you know, in terms of COVID. But uh, yes, Mark's right, the protocols are all in place. Uh, we've had umpteen meetings with secretary, with secretaries, with clubs. Uh, We've sent out so much, I mean, to be honest, the amount of documentation is unbelievable. And getting on to the changing facilities, if we're going to do that, I'll be honest, we've sent out stuff to the clubs and most of the clubs will look at it and say, no chance, it's, you know, you need to be a Philadelphia lawyer. Actually, <laughs> actually, Charlie might be able to fill one of the forums on but uh, <laughs> apart, apart from that, it's... it's uh, uh, there's so much involved in it, but, but Mark's absolutely right. We're doing everything that the government's asking us to do, but they won't let us play football from tier three or above. Mm-hmm. Charlie, I just want to bring you in on this as well, because is there anything <coughs> you kind of want to add, ask in a Stuart or add, it, add anything to the situation as well? Like, how are you kind of reading Yeah, I, I think everybody's championing their, their association, their football, uh, as you've rightly said, professional and recreation. Uh, and then they've just, it seems as if they've made this um, on the science that above 18, then there's a bigger transmission of the the virus in this vicinity. Um, the facilities you mentioned with regards to there and also the travelling to and from. Mm. A, lot, a lot of amateurs guys would probably run three or four cars and can everybody get to the games, etc., etc. But I suppose if you get your... Your own kind of house in order, and then in the tier three aspect of it, and the tier two aspect of it, is it worth trialing? Uh, a wee while since I've been involved in the amateur game, but one of the things that we were talking in the professional game was they've had the sample crowds, they've had the test. Can they go to the two, the tier two, and the tier three regions and do a test? and see if it does work, and then try and roll it out for there. Because amateurs is probably the biggest uh, number of teams, number of players in Scotland. And Stuart, you'll probably be uh, wondering, how can we get the season started or 
I take it your 2021 season will just become null and void. Well, in, in most leagues, the 2021 season has just been suspended. It's just been called. Yeah. You like most of them. There's a couple of couple of the leagues. Uh, Central Scottish, I think, amateur league. They tried to finish their season for last season, but they only I, I, they didn't have that many games still to play. Ayrshire's a different kettle of fish, for example. When 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 it was called the Hall, we still had I think it was 102 games to play across the league. So it was it just wasn't it feasible for us to do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Maybe I, we actually touched on that with the sportsman as having some sort of trial uh, period to see if if we would, it would work within uh, amateur football. You're right, Charlie. Shankers, just finally before we we can move we can move on. But is there a can I Ed? And obviously, you're coming for the junior game, and uh, you're you're kind of still training, walking leg, although the kind of competitive kind of season for you, isn't it? Use on the plane, but I just want to kind of bring you in. Is like anything you kind of want to ask as well, or uh, I just found that I share my opinion. Nothing. It was the same when the see when the season ended before the COVID at the very start, and we were for for like early, uh, early level they were and they were deciding the leagues through uh, average games or whatever, and and it kind of came to everybody had kind of agreed, and then it came to I was my local amateur team was mocking, so I was asking them kind of what was happening because they were top of their league and uh, they weren't sure whether they were going to go nil and void or whatever. I wasn't sure if see through the whole board wide is for the top of the Scottish game right through to the amateurs. Is there no like one person who says like this is what's happening all throughout the game, or is every association got got to make their own own mind up or what? I mean, Crikey, the professional game, there's two two associations for starters, the SPFL yeah. and, the, and the SFA. Uh, no, in answer to your question, Mark, no, there isn't. The, the SFA and the SPFL between them beside on uh, the professional game. Obviously, there was the Scottish Junior FA, well, there still is, but mm-hmm. most of them, as you know, moved to the West of Scotland League and before that, Easter Scotland, we've got the amateur, obviously the amateur FA, you've got the youth FA, etc, etc. I mean, one of the questions I've been asked often is why did the SCFA you know, just decide every league was by for last season? And the answer to that is quite simple. We don't have the remit to make that decision. We can suggest to, to leagues, if you like, uh, and or, or or better still, we should we can support them if they decide their league's going to be uh, at an end. But we we can't tell them. We can tell them that the Scottish Cup and the local and the uh, district cups are not getting played out of it. But we don't have the remit to be able to say to a league unless unless they're breaking rules. Of course, we we can't say to them you you, you can't play. You know, I should well you you're talking, Mark. I should mention. All the stuff I've said about the juniors or, or West of Scotland or whatever, we're not suggesting for a minute that level should stop playing. You know, uh, we're, 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 not here to, we're not here to have them pumped out, but we just think we should be able to play along at the same time. I think, like, it should, everybody should be, everybody should play or like no, no meaning, I'm not saying like in the, the top end of Scottish football, it should stop, but like at our level, it's obviously very similar. Uh, junior, amateur, whatever title you want to get, everybody's in mm-hmm. agreement. It's, it's all very similar. So at our level, I feel 
if we're allowed to play, everybody should be allowed to play. It's either everybody plays or nobody plays. It shouldn't be like mm. split like we play and, and, and the amateurs don't play. And see just with yeah. the jumpers for goalposts and that kind of thing. The Scottish Amateur Cup final is held at the National Stadium. So, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that kind of says, says a lot for me. They, they obviously hold the game in high regard if that... That final is at that stadium, so they should know what it what it means to everybody at that level. Uh, that's that's kind of all I've got to say. It should be everybody plays a a nobody. It's 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 a wee bit of a far. To be honest. Mm-hmm. So so just before we can finish up, Stuart, I just want to can ask one last thing. Like where are where are you kind of now? Like where's when's the next kind of meeting? And when can we ex- like expect the next kind of the next bit of news to come about if if the boy if the Scottish amateurs are going to be able to start again? Well, a couple of things. I'm, I'm hoping to hear back for the SFA within the next week or so to see uh, what the plan is that they intend in putting forward to the to the government. As far as the government's concerned, obviously there's an, an announcement on Tuesday yeah. as regards to the, the levels that are going to be changed. But on top of that, I'm hoping to hear back to the sports minister that He's had a discussion with First Minister and all the clinicians, etc. Um, hopefully he'll he'll come back to us. I did feel, as I said earlier, I did feel that he listened to what we were saying, as opposed to quite a few of the previous MSPs we'd spoken to. So I'm hopeful we'll get something back. If I'm honest, um, we'll not get my opinion. Uh, in tier three and tier four, you'll not get kicked in the ball anyway, in my opinion. Tier three, we might be allowed back, but it'll not be after the new year, that's for sure. I, 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 I hope I'm wrong in that, but I'd be surprised if it was, you know, and, and it could be middle of January, into February, to be honest with you. Uh, but I can't, I can't say that for certain because, because uh, I, I don't, I don't honestly know, but. Uh, as I say, I feel the meeting we had last week was probably the best meeting we've had in terms of any positivity. But we can't thank you enough for your honesty and agreeing to come on and share this information. It's been greatly appreciated and we're, we're just hoping we can we can get some good news in the, the near future. Yeah. Just lastly, with Wilson as well, we just, you know, I'm sure you'll share your thoughts. I definitely. It's, it's great to have you on, Stuart. I just, I just think these, these kind of platforms... It, and now, you know, op- opens up to our millions of listeners. Um, yeah. they, they now see the situation because obviously, I know loads of guys in the amateur game, so they'll tune in and just say, right, let's see where Stuart is because in Twitter, you know, it's, it's a great platform. Of course it is, but just to see the ins and outs and see how you, yeah. how hard you're working to get us back because I'm sure the flag probably stops at your door for all these things as if it's your fault. But it'll be great for the guys to see how the work you're putting in to get us back out there. Mm-hmm. That that goes with the territory, Mark. You know, but, <laughs> but having said that, you know, I'm I'm as keen as anybody else. Obviously, I run a club as well, so I'm as keen as anybody else to get everybody back playing. We've got thirty five thousand players or something like that, um, thirty five thousand members. You know, uh, throughout the length and breadth of Scotland, and and I'll continue and and the executive committee of the SAFA despite the fact they think is us is the suits or the blazers or whatever, I can assure you, uh, it's probably been harder work this year because I know being able to play than it normally is. 
So I can assure everybody out there that we will continue to try and get the game back playing again. We are as desperate as everybody else to have it back again. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Stuart. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Well, obviously, we had a great chat there with Stuart, and we'll move on to what's been happening over the weekend. We'll just run through quickly the results, and we'll ask everybody the, the result and talking point of the weekend. Hamilton 1 1 0 against Kilmarnock, Ross Callahan with the penalty, Livingston 1 2 0 against the United, Pittman and Bartley with the goals, Hibbs got our away one at Motherwell 3 0, Boyle, Doidge, and McGinn with the goals, St Mirren and Aberdeen drew one each, it was McGrath and Hayes, Rangers today. 1-4-0 away to Ross County. Roof Tavernier was an own goal in the end of four. And finally at Parkhead, Celtic drew one each with St. Johnson. Now, I just want to start, I'll start off with Shankers here. Shankers, what was your result and talking point for the weekend? Uh, well, I was watching the, both uh, games today. Rangers, Rangers game first of all, uh, Dingwall. Uh, another kind of convincing game with, with them playing at exceptional football. Uh, just kind of Kind of ruthless almost. Uh, another few changes. Stephen Davis, the middle part of the stand at 35, 35 years of age, and he's just, he, he could look as if he could play on for a good few years yet at, at this level. He, he was tremendous. Him finning passes. It must be great to be a to be a forward player when, when he's in the middle of the park. He can, he can thread that iron needle pass for you. He set up Tavernier, who, who played a bond uh, for, for Roof's first goal. And then after that, he once you get one goal, it's it's almost as if they just kind of kind of just start controlling the game, and and it was that was that was all, all it really looked like it was going to happen. Ross County missed a, a good chance at uh, at two 0 to come back into the game. Uh, if if they score that, maybe you could see maybe something happening, but but other than that, it was another convincing win. It was nothing like the Ross County team that we seen last week uh, at Parkhead. Uh, funnily enough, but. Another convincing win for Rangers. Rangers doing what they need to do. They're just they're, they're winning games and scoring goals. And but we'll move on to Wilson. Put sure can a big talking point for the weekend. Hey, well, I, I think uh, Callum Davidson at St Johnston should be sacked if he can't go there and get a win like everybody else at Scottish football. So I hope Callum's in the job centre tomorrow. A disgrace going there and not winning. Uh, no, I was I was quite glad that Charlie was on tonight. And we'll probably get into more detail later. And um, just quickly, Charlie, the Picamonas challenge yesterday, is that a straight red? Yeah. Two footed challenge, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether you doesn't matter whether you go for the ball or no get the ball or anything. A two footed challenge off the ground is an automatic red card. Lose control and uh, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's unfortunate because I think the last three sendings off Comanlocks have had. You know, at the time when I've been watching the games, I've, I've agreed that they've all been red cards. I know one went to appeal. Even at that, I thought it was a red card at the time. You know, and again, trial by sports scene that they shouldn't possibly do, however. Um, so, and as I say, Charlie used to correct me. I, I used to go home, seething at decisions, and then I'd speak to Charlie on a Monday morning at work. And then that would be me fine by nine o'clock because he would say that as a red card or that as a yellow, you know, explanation. But again... A worrying result for Kilmarnock. I think a worrying result for Dundee United as well. Yeah. Um, and I hope Ross County get relegated. Dundee United had uh, loads of players out for COVID, so uh, slightly no understandable, but you, you can see why they why they <laughs> have to be. Mm-hmm. See, just before that, we can I ask you, Charlie. I just want to touch on mine. Hibs, 
had to get a three 0 win against Motherwell on Saturday as well. But Motherwell had a disallowed goal. Like, what did you did you kind of think that was that goal? Sure, I didn't see a free kick in there. Um, the, the when you when you look at it, the ball's played high. There's more height than uh, distance in the ball, and the Motherwell guy has timed his jump. And he's one of the ones, he's up early, he wins it, and he comes down. He's actually coming down into the to the Hibs player. And you don't see any bent arm straightening. As in a, he's up there, the arm stayed bent all the time. I, I'm looking for the free kick. I can't see it. I thought it was a good goal. And again, one nothing. You guys, you have played the game. And yes, a goal can change. A goal can change the temperament. Uh, of of games, and that would have gave Motherwell a wee bit because they had a bit of the game with regards to there. So going back to your original, I didn't see a free kick in that. Mm-hmm. It was a good result for Hibs as well, and obviously three 0 kind of puts them within a with now looking at it not far. I think they're only two points behind Celtic. I know Celtic games in hand, but you're saying you're looking at Hibs and thinking they're they're probably in the second best form in the league. Right now, but I just want to touch on Charlie. Just what was your kind of t- talking point and takeaway for the weekend's results? It's one of these old cliches, guys. And I know you mentioned in United with their COVID problems, but they still fielded a relatively strong team. But mm. new manager at Livingston, there's a bounce. There's a team who's had to change. Livingston played the long ball up to Lyndon Dykes all the time. And that's where they get the success. And to be fairness to, to Gary Holt, that was his type of play. Get up and then get the midfield supporting the second ball. Now, that they've had to change. And you see a wee bit with Aberdeen. Aberdeen started off playing through the midfield, but they lost the midfielders and then they went long to Cosgrove and they couldn't match that. So are we, are we kind of praise to Livingston there for going out and uh, starting to play football, play through the, the lines and... and a 2-0, 2 nothing against Dundee United is a is a good result for them. So um you might actually start to see them going in a wee run. Definitely. Wilson, before we before we move on to other things in the show, we're just we're we're, we're having this weekly hang now, aren't we? Where we're we're just wondering what's today Celtic again, one one draw at home to St Johnson. You're my touch point with this because we talk obviously me, you and Shankers, we talk on a regular basis during the games and things like that. Where What's what going to happen here? Can he carry on here, surely? As I've been saying since the old firm game, nothing is going to change with those players until Neil Lennon is out the door. Now, what, what's happened here is, when, when that situation arose in the old firm game in terms of the not the result, the performance, questions had to be asked then. And now it might be a bit, oh, and Celtic have never been a trigger-happy, you know, replace a manager. But, Everybody could see there was issues, and what they've done now is they've let it fester. They've let it all. Okay, the Europa League doesn't matter, you know. Um, domestic oh, it doesn't matter. It's only a League Cup. We're all about ten in a row, and now ten, 10 in a row is gone. It's, it's gone. Thirteen points means that Celtic have to win their two games in hand, plus possibly beat Rangers three times. Right now, that's fantasy stuff now and as I say I don't get and I can understand the threat I don't condone the Celtic fans you know what went on last week or from what I've seen tonight so far but Dermot Desmond Peter Law Neil Lennon John Kennedy all these guys 
you know, something needs to change. And if it's just if it's just about egos, you know, Peter Law won his battle of egos with Brendan Rodgers of the whole John McGinn scenario. So Brendan Rodgers up and left sticks, okay, and, and look where they are from when he left to, to where they are now. As I say, they'll be absolutely lucky. And you just point on it there. I think Hibs is one of Celtic's games in hand. Mm-hmm. And what is happening, and while it's festering just now, that Celtic are, are, are falling down that league and going back to where they were in the 90s because yeah. it's a complete and utter mismanagement. Now, yes, the players have to carry the can, but players don't get sacked. Managers get sacked. And this, this was Celtic's last chance. I don't even think it was the last chance. I think the last chance was a few weeks ago when they drew with Aberdeen. They had to get rid of the manager and bring someone fresh in while there was that chance you know, two games in hand, if we beat Aberdeen, then it's only 10 points, then it's 24 points, whatever it is, right? No manager in their right mind would touch that Celtic job now with a barge pole because all that it's going to do, if it's a former player or Celtic man, as they like to, you know, pontificate, is they going to touch that job now? Because Neil Lennon's legacy of five titles as a player, five titles as a manager, part of the Seville team, that is gone. That is absolutely gone now. Neil Lennon is now the manager that didn't win 10 in a row with more resources than any other manager in that league. But again, and I just want to touch this, and uh, please, Mark, I I think it's a wee bit distasteful, all this reaction and what's going on at Celtic. But the biggest thing is, it's how good Rangers are. It's not about the shambles at Celtic. It's how good Rangers are and have been. Shankers as well, like obviously we'll bring Charlie on this as on this as well. Like you said today about Rangers how controlling they were, like Celtic, it doesn't look as if Neil Lennon's gonna gonna go if it, if the decision was made, it was surely gonna be made last Sunday. What Aye. do you see Rangers losing five games for now at the end of the season? Because I don't. On current form and the way they're playing the now, I, I can't see where the next defeat is coming with for never mind five. So I I know uh, Mark said they're 13 points. Uh, a lot of Rangers fans have seen that they're almost taking it as if it's just the seven points and just taking it as if uh, Celtic's going to win their two games in hand and then it's seven. So they're no disappointed if they if they um, if they do win them. So, uh, but I didn't know Hibs was one of the games in hand. It's it, it's rain, rain, you can't see where Rangers' next defeat is and you can't see where Celtic's next win is coming for it's. It's obviously not a good situation for, for Celtic Lennon, but he's been given the vote of confidence. So like, they can't give him the vote of confidence during the week and then sack him at the weekend. You know what I mean? He's obviously maybe, I don't know what happens in any types of meetings, whether they go right, you've got to then uh, see how you go on till then and whatever. But if they're going to do anything, they need to do it before January because our new manager coming in is want to get a few players in, let a few go, maybe they. Can, they can either need to do it almost now or just then, or they need to keep them kind of hanging. Yeah, they, this, this is what I was saying two weeks ago. January's too late because no manager and no player is going to want to come to Celtic in the 10th season of the 10 in a row and be part of a disaster because that's what it is. So therefore, oh, yeah. you've done yourself out of getting a good manager. And as I say, I explained again, getting back to the last few weeks, you went from Brendan Rodgers to Neil Lennon. That's unfortunate now the level Celtic are going to be at. They're, they're going to get a Henrik Larson untried and untested 
Stylian Petrov, untried and untested, because that's now the market. Whereas at Brendan Rodgers, all we needed was another man on that level to guarantee the 10 the next season, put their stock up, okay, and win it. And then your stock's so high because you've been part of this 10 in a row. And as I say, I keep saying, I have massive, massive fears um, for Celtic and Scottish football after this season. Because I, I genuinely believe, and I'm not just saying this week, it's Rangers. I actually think, if, if, or if I'm going to say, actually, when, when Gerard wins the treble this year, <laughs> I, I think he may walk. Well, what else can you do? If, exactly. If, if, you know and I think mean? if he's to go, now don't get me wrong, I strongly believe that Rangers are just a bigger club as Liverpool, if not bigger in some areas. And what I would suggest was, He's done it in full goal of Scottish football. Then I think he may have a stepping stone within the Premiership. Just for example, a Leeds, a Newcastle, someone of that ilk before he's put into the, the big seat that he wants. And as I say, I wouldn't blame him for walking away, but his stock is massive when he wins the treble. If he stays on another season, Celtic throw money at somebody else and then he loses, it does his own chances. And I, don't, I think he'll walk away with the best wishes of the Rangers fans. I, I agree. I think see, see if, sorry, see if they go and do do win the league. No, even the treble. If they go, see if they just win the league and, and stop so it's ten in a row and and win their fifty fifth title. I don't think anybody would blame him for walking away because he came here to do a three year contract or whatever. The the ultimate goal at the end of it was to to win your next trophy, obviously. But the the bigger picture was was stop ten in a row. I don't care what anybody says. That that has got to be spoken about at at some point. So uh, that if if he does stop that, I think he, he would walk away a hero. You know what I mean? So, and as you said, there's no point in going and winning that, carrying on, and maybe uh, no winning it the next year, and then then he's no looked at as as a great manager. Kind of thing. So I I wouldn't blame him personally. I don't think a lot of folk would blame him if if he was to win the league and then and then walk away. But it's only December, so I'm not really what to be talking about. And so, and, uh, sorry, I know Charlie's got a, an opinion on this, but so, someone made a point to me today via text saying that could Brendan Rogers see the writing on the wall at, That's what at, I've at said. board level and then think, I'm not I'm getting out here. I'm out here. Let's go back to then. Let's go back to just before. Obviously, Charlie, I want to kind of bring you in on this as well, but John McGinn was the was writing on the wall because when you, we heard then Brendan Rogers wasn't happy left that season and after that the recruitment has been very very poor and it needs to be it needs to be called into fact and I just want to bring up two points you've brought up Greg Taylor Wilson in the past David Turnbull today I thought they were both very good when they come on today I thought they were that's two players who aren't getting a chance a lot of money been spent on them are they getting wasted at Celtic yes (laughs) this is this is this this isn't something new um, that's happened. Celtic and and Rangers prior to obviously what happened did sign the be- the best players from Aberdeen or Motherwell or Hibs and that, and then they just they, they go in, you know, they, they disappear, you know, and you know Tumble, Tumble was one of these guys. I mean, I I wasn't a massive fan. I thought he was a good player and all that, but I listened to him off the ball most Saturdays and Tam Kevin absolutely raves about this guy saying that Celtic's a stepping stone, this guy's so good. I know he's a Motherwell fan. And I'm thinking, I, I don't see it, but nobody sees it. Because if he's that good, why is he not getting a game? Now, again, and Mark touched on it um, this week on our WhatsApp, 
about Scott, Scott Brown played again today. <laughs> and Thursday night, and Thursday night in a meaningless I game. I couldn't believe he played on Thursday night. And I'm still waiting for him to complete a pass or, or do something. <laughs> and it's, as I say, there, there's something rotten at Celtic right through the club. And as I say, they're in big, big danger um, of letting that you know, be, be a massive problem because I'll tell you this right now. Celtic will not sell 60,000 season tickets next year. No They'll be giving them away to the local school kids. That's how bad it'll be. Definitely. Charlie, what's your kind of thoughts on the whole situation that Celtic, like, obviously, it's just, it's, it's kind of the talking point everywhere now, but like, do you, do you think Neil Lennon's kind of ran his race at Celtic? I think, um, sometimes you've got to take emotions out of it, but I think he'll get to the cup final. I think I think Peter Lawwell will can he give him can we say the the chance of the cup final to do the the, the quadruple treble with regards to that side. And if you listen to Neil in his interviews, he's trying everything. And this is sometimes that you look at managers and as as um, Mark said, I've never seen a football player sacked yet, but John Kennedy, I know John reasonably well a very good defender but Celtic are leaking goals at the back and and you're, and you're saying to yourself from that point would it not be that, that he could be able to coach defending if you go to the other side and uh, Mark Alec McLeish at Rangers Alec McLeish was a great defender but they were leaking goals and and all of a sudden if it and, and I've got an, an avid interest in the Scotland women's game the last Scotland games They've not been scoring the goals. We, Andy Thompson, was a phenomenal striker down at Queen of the South. So, but going back to the topic aspect, I think uh, I think Neil will get to the cup final and he'll uh, go. You look at a period of time, you look at the teams you're playing and, and you look at how many points and get the results. And probably everybody was sitting saying that Celtic would have beat St. Johnson today yeah. and kick-start the run of the three or four results and gets it back. But are they suffering? Are they the biggest club suffering from no fans? Oh, I think they're lucky that there's no fans in there, to be honest. <laughs> if, if, there was fan, if there was fans in there, they'd have been changed after the old fun game, in my opinion. But, this, but we're, talk, we're touching this as well. And there's a guy, obviously, I, can, I listen to the... Uh, phone in after the after I come home from work and heard his Lennon's interview and I ju- again it's just it's the same old it's, but somebody made a really interesting point how many managers have w- have won two games out of the last twelve even at amateur even at, at any level junior football. level two games in twelve for a club like Celtic Verens Faros we go back to the players were the problem then the players didn't want to be there. Nothing's changed since then. Nothing has changed since then. The performances have been poor. Shane Duffy, £2 million loan fee, massive wages, not even on the bench today. You've got players like Klamala, back at the, the goalkeeper. Where do you start with the goalkeeper? We've heard, of it, we've heard in this week David Marshall was, didn't they give, offer David Marshall what he wanted? David Marshall... This is what I'm saying. So, so this is what I'm saying. It's rotten. If Peter Law is signing the players, that's wrong. If it's this guy, Nicky Hammond, or whoever, he's invisible, is signing these players because these players are absolute duds. These guys are absolutely a disgrace to the Celtic jersey. So that for me, and I've had a problem with this all along, if you are the manager 
you get someone in, you trust them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure from possibly even um, the Martin O'Neill era, it was, it was uh, John Park. Is that right? Yes, it was, yeah. Right. As soon as he left, it was all these different folk. Now, Martin O'Neill would say to John Park, I need a right back. He would go and scout four or five right backs, report back. Martin O'Neill would decide what right back he's going to sign. Mm-hmm. I think Neil Lennon's turning up there. And, and Peter Law's going, oh, that, that, this, this is Barkas, this is a great goal you signed for £5 million. And Neil Lennon's thinking. But is that no, is that no, is, there's no coaching problem there as well, though, because if you were to give Neil Lennon the option of Gavin Strachan or Gary Parker, I know he's, he's not choosing Gavin Strachan. So that, I, I think, is, yeah. that, is the club making the decisions for Neil Lennon? If we the touched on Marco, Marco went into air with a, getting told who he was getting and has Neil Lennon been told the same? Well, I, I, I think, and, and again, this is a guy, this is a guy that's been, um, you know, sacked from Bolton and Hibs, you know, and he's got in there and basically been told, and he did, don't get me wrong, he done his job, what was left, but that team was still flying from the Rodgers era, absolutely aye, aye. It's impossible to, you could, you could have stuck me in Shankers in, <laughs> we'd have won those, those couple of trophies with six games to go or whatever. I, right? I would have found a way to get them beat. <laughs> as I say, Gary Holt's record was better than Lennon's in the last 12 games, but he thought, I'm not getting any more of these players, I need to resign. Alex Dyer's record's better, and I think, unfortunately, Alex is going to be in a shaky peg because, well, he'll win next week because they're away at Celtic next week, so he'll pick up a win next week. Um, <laughs> but this, this is a results-based business, right. and, yeah. Yeah, and I'm quite sure... If um, if Stephen Gerrard won two games out his next twelve, the Rangers fans would want him out. Mm-hmm. But we're oh, touching on and Charlie made Charlie made the point about the cup final. And if Neil Lennon does get to the cup final, see if that's also win and you've lost a cup final to a first division team. Right, but see, let, right. let's look at it another way and say that Celtic do win three nothing. Are we going to get Scott Brown holding the trophy, Neil Lennon holding the trophy, celebrating as if? They've done the quadruple treble when this has been. Aye, everything's all right. That's what that's what that's what I think the Celtic fans are going to are, will make the Celtic fans feel worse about this situation. That's maybe, what the, maybe, that, the maybe board is going to to sack him in the showers after they gave him the job in the showers the first time. But it's been it's it's again. I don't see I don't see it changing because as we as we say, Cel- Rangers Rangers play Celtic the second of January. Celtic go in that form and play the, the performance they've done in the last 12 games. Yeah, There's only one winner. And that's it. That is the league. That is the league over. Scott, the league was over the first old firm game. The performance and attitude of the players showed you that they weren't wanting to be there. Or they weren't wanting someone to be there. Now, Celtic can go and sack Neil Lennon and bring in Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho. The whole backroom staff is part of Neil Lennon this thing now, if John, if John Kennedy's going into his work every morning and saying, I've got nothing to do today, then there's a massive, massive problem if Neil Lennon's not listening to his coaching staff or his assistants. Definitely. And so, if you turn around and say, right, we'll get Pep Guardiola in, is John Kennedy going to be a better coach under Pep Guardiola or Neil Lennon? He's going to be the same. And as I say, horrendous what happened to the fella, but he's part of it. He needs to go as well. The whole place needs cleared out. But we're definitely going to touch on that later on, and we'll 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 move on to our special guest, Charlie Richmond. Charlie, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much for joining us. Magic. I've just let you to free bladder about that. 
<laughs> obviously, um, an SPL referee between 2002 and 2012, obviously 10 years at the top game, but where did it all start? Like, what, what made you kind of want to get into refereeing? Um, ugh, like every boy, you play football, and then you realise that you don't have the potential to go any further. And when I was 13, 14, my mind was made up that I wanted to join the Royal Navy. Uh, and I went away and I come back I, probably about, in, must have been about 90. I joined in 85, so I come back in 90. And I started playing squash at Wallach Mile Golf Club. And one of the guys played squash with me was on the list was on the, and he said, he says, I remember you playing football. How do you fancy being a referee? How do you fancy taking up refereeing? I never thought anything of it. And then I went along to the classes. And at that time, it was at the old Grange Academy. Uh, and I met, and I went and sat down with a guy um, who's obviously passed away now. Is a guy called Davy McKee. And Davy and myself were tall, slim, uh, and and built the same stature. We looked the same. And the amount of times in amateur football, oh, we had you last week, and it wasn't. He? Uh, and then I took, I took the exam uh, in December '91, passed it, and and it's still cliche. You never look back um, for there. Um, my very first game was Auchinleck Academy against Kilmarnock Academy and a wee boy had a shot for 22 yards and at that time they didn't have any nets and the ball went whizzing by and I'm sitting there, did that go by or did that go in? <laughs> and the wee boy shouted, well what a goal! And I thought, goal! <laughs> <laughs> and, that was, and that was my kick off to, to, to refereeing. <laughs> Brilliant. But what kind of memories you've got of kind of refereeing, obviously at a top level, like what was... What was the kind of highlights of your time at the top? Oh, God. There's, there's too many, Scott. Ken, you can you can talk about being involved in, in uh, juniors. I loved the junior game. I absolutely loved the junior game. I was born and bred, knocking like, and I'm, I'm not feared to say I'm a Talbot supporter. Uh, and and I, I love that. I would have loved to have been uh, considered for the junior cup final, but never got that. And... Um, but then when you go into senior games, when you get into seniors uh, running out, as you guys at Celtic Park and Ibrox have been involved in the Scottish Cup final, uh, as, as Scottish League Cup final was, was great day as well. Uh, the Cup final I was involved in was in 2006 with Gretna. There was a lot of hype about that. There was a, And it was a great day. Um, we went to penalties. It, it was just a, everything about it was just uh, surreal. And that was my birthday. That was, that was played on the 13th of May. 2006, which was my birthday. Um, but then, uh, and, and lucky enough to go on the international list uh, and go across and do, at that time it was uh, UEFA Cup matches and, and Champions League matches, and then considered for Euro qualifiers and World Cup qualifiers, and then getting invitations to go to various different countries, to, to referee Qatar, Tunisia, Hong Kong. Uh, so all that, it all rates up there. And... Um, with players on the park who you looked at and you thought to yourself, wow. I remember I'd done a, an under-21 Spain versus Germany under-21 match and the names on the team sheet was unbelievable. And then the flight back from Madrid to London, I was sitting with Cesc Fabregas and his agent and his agent said, watch this boy go. He'll take over Patrick Vieira and watch him go. And true to his word, and for the asset. So phenomenal, Cesc Fabregas and, and uh, Michael Ballach and, and players like that. So, and, and it's a cliche, 
but sometimes a wee boy for Auchin Lake, who used to go to his school with his backside hanging out his trousers, but they'd get pockets. <laughs> they'd get pockets that we used them. And, and going to these places was phenomenal. Brilliant. Wilson, obviously you worked with, you worked with Charlie for a few years. Just what was, uh, what was your memories of Charlie as a, as a referee and obviously as a pal? Well, as, as, as I say, I saw him referee several times before I worked with him, so he's probably heard me before he saw me. <laughs> but as I say, there was, a, there was a lot of you know guys that went to the football in our office at work, and when Charlie would come in on a Monday, um, it would be, right, Charlie, what about, what about this? Word? And he would just he would put it in simplistic terms that a fan understands why the decision was, was given or was not given. And as I say, we've kind of touched on... This is why, I know, I know Charlie's been in the past and myself, a big advocate of get these referees out there and explain you know, to the fans, this is why a decision was given. Now, we touched on earlier in the show, Kilmarnock have had three players sent off in four games or whatever it is, two by the same referee and one on, on Saturday there. Now, in watching them, I think all three are sendings off. But again, because you're a Kelly fan, you follow the social media pages, the Kelly fans are up in arms about the three of them, and I'm going, they're sending off for me. Mm-hmm. And as I say, on a Monday, you would speak to Charlie, lay it on the line, that's why the decision's made, and you would go to class happy. Mm-hmm. Or, or accepting, anyway, maybe not happy, but <laughs> accepting. <laughs> and Charlie, and I, say, I think that's needed in the media. What do you kind of feel about that, Charlie? Like, obviously, like, would you have supported that back in the day when you were refereeing at the top level? 100%. 100%. Somebody contacted me on a Friday, on a um, Sunday night, sorry, about a decision I had made on the Saturday or the Monday night that a decision I had made on a Sunday. I would quite happily give my explanation of what I gave that, why I gave that decision and, and take it for there. Now, as a referee, you don't expect everybody to agree with you. Mm-hmm. But you expect them to, you get a bit of respect for coming out and giving the, the decision why you can. There was a trial, there was uh, in Australia, and they mic'd up the referee and, and broadcasted it live. And one of the next things was to get a, a head cam on a referee to show what he would see and things like that. But sometimes you can go OTT, but if you show video clips from various different angles and ask the referee to explain, then you'll see things that will happen from an angle that he will never, ever get. One of those angles will always be behind the goals. A referee will never get a behind-the-goal sight unless he has caught on the goal line and it's a quick transition of play with regards to there. But, yeah, we, we need to educate. We need to educate. We talk about a lot of things about education. And the fans are the biggest lifeblood of football and if you can educate them how the laws of the games are then it, I'm not saying it makes your job easier but it helps you get your point across. Definitely well like obviously in the past few years as well like obviously it was about after you kind of you stopped refereeing I'll touch on why you stopped refereeing just in a second but how do you feel about the kind of video assistant referee do you think it's do you think it is too technical just now or is there improvements to be made with that? No what they, what they need to do is they need to set the Everybody needs to work to the same criteria. You need to work with what FIFA and UEFA are saying. And because you're a, a nation of UEFA, you can't go off in your tangent and, and decide what you want to use it and do it with regards to there. VAR will come. VAR will stay. 
that's the way that the governing body thinks the best way forward. What you have to do is to do what the laws of the game do, and that is define universally what it is meant to be there yeah. for. So VAR, I think England are just doing it to, they're effectively re-refereeing the game sometimes, but it's there to identify in the four criterias a clear and obvious refereeing error. It's got to be a clear and obvious refereeing error. And Scotland, it's all about finances, but can we bring it in slow, slow, slow? We don't need to spend thousands and bring it in with all bells and whistles. Can we bring it in slow, slow, slow? And you think about it, the majority of the big games, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you've either got BT, Sports, Sky, Premier Sports, they cover the game. Mm-hmm. So an official who's just retired from the, the official list, still involved in the game, can sit in the lorry, can sit in the truck, and he's got his screens. He can relay that information to the on-field referee, the assistant referee, and the fourth official. And that can be communicated. Mm-hmm. And then the ultimate decision stays with the on-field referee. Yeah. But for the VAR guy to come in, he can't come in on an opinion decision. Because that's what football is all about sometimes. You must come in and clear and obvious refereeing errors. Mm-hmm. Well, St. Shankers, obviously, if you've got kind of questions you want to ask, Charlie, I know we were talking during the week and you did. Like, oops, what have we got? I, I, I would like to give him some quick fire questions and he's got to give us the first answer that comes to his, <laughs> comes to his waist. Right. Now, again, you, you can't hang anyone out here because you, you've retired and they're probably all retired as well. But... Worst manager experience? Gus McPherson. Worst player? <laughs> Lee Mako. Best manager to deal with? Um, Jimmy Calderwood. Worst mistake in a high-profile game? Um, St Johnston, St Mern. Fourth official told me it was a handball, shouldn't he? I took it. Walked about, like, as the quotes in the newspaper said... He had a bottle of Becks and a kebab in his hand on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, Stephen O'Donnell. Stephen O'Donnell handballed it and, uh, and kept St. Murn up. I knew it had a white hand, a, a white sleeved hand. Couldn't have told you who it was. Fourth official hung me out to dry. <laughs> who was he? Can't tell you. <laughs> Are you hanging out? Steve, <laughs> Stevie McLean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I, that's it from me. As I say, I just I always think when you do a quick fire one out, surprising some of the names there, you know, because I'm surprising some of the names there. Eh? Gus you know, McPherson, I just I, I, Gus is a nice guy, but see during the game, oh god, <laughs> I remember, I remember I refereed uh, St Mern Celtic Scottish Cup quarter final, and I thought at the time. Gary Caldwell would have got a cross and covered Stephen McManus, and I showed him, I showed Stephen McManus a yellow card, and Gus at half at, at uh, full time turned round and you've bottled it, Charlie, you've bottled it. McManus should have been off, and I turned round as a quick snipe to say, no, I had to keep him on so I could get a replay, and he went raging at me, and <laughs> for there, so um, yeah, Gus, myself and Gus, but if you if we sat down in the room, we'd probably be got on no bother. Lee Mako was in your face all the time and he'd one of these stupid squeaky voices. How's that not a foul? How's that not a foul? I remember then again at, at, at Tynecastle, Harps Livingston, indirect free kick. 
and I'm standing there with my hand up and uh, Lovell, Stuart Lovell, cracks it right into the back of the net. Craig Gordon was the Hearts goalkeeper, stepped aside and let it go into the net. Uh, goal kick. How's that a goal kick? Mako comes, how's that a goal? That's a goal, that's a goal. Learn the laws of the game, son. Are we <laughs> on the road? Just to be squeaky voices. Well, I wish I could uh, again, we, again, we watch it as fans, and that, as I say, that's what we are. And we always assume, like, the likes of Barry Ferguson would be a nightmare. And, but I think you're saying, like, was, was he in the same mould as Lee Mako? Because Barry was a winner. Me, Barry yeah, Ferguson was a winner. That when you saw when they played with Barry Ferguson, Barry Ferguson was very rarely at the ref. He was at his own teammates. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You're watching the telly, he's having a go at the ref, he's actually having a go at his own teammates. No, it surprised you. Surprised the amount of times Barry Ferguson come into your face and question the decision or, or something like that. And and obviously, we've spoke about him earlier in the show as well, but surprisingly, Neil Lennon as well, very rarely in your face, uh, just getting on with it and things like that. So you're right, the people who, the, the fans who think are the worst culprits are not really. Yeah. And see that, see... Kind of why you stop refereeing. Obviously, when we did a bit of research, we kind of looked into it and things like that. But what was your kind of perspective for the when you stopped refereeing? Like, did you did you come to the decision yourself, or was it kind of forced on you? I'll tell you. Um, I'll give you a bit of background with regards to the setup. Um, two thousand and eight. I thought two thousand and eight, seven, eight season. I thought I was refereeing well. I'd just done the this, this semi-finals of the National Cups and I thought I was in with a shout for the, for the 2008 final um, and I was doing well. Uh, and then uh, the next season I got injured and I missed it. And then the following season I got dropped from the Premier League and not one person came and told me. The full season of 2010-2011, I refereed in the Championship, the First Division, the Second Division, and not one person told me I was going to be in there all season. So when I found out from a good friend, I then made the decision I was going to go. And my mother-in-law said, no, Charlie, that's what they want you today. Mm -hmm. They're trying to force your hand out. Can we to do? Get back into the Premier League and then go on your own terms. So 2011-2012 season, I get Motherwell Celtic, Hearts, uh, and I went to Tynecastle, and that's when the referees were all mic'd up, and I didn't have a mic system. And the, the head of refereeing at the time phoned me and said, get a mic system. We've got a, I said, I haven't got one. You get me one. And it just died for there. I'd done three, four Premier League games. And then on April, the, the 8th of April, 2012, I woke up uh, going to do Livingston, Ross County, Ross County won, they get promoted, uh, and Livingston was my first Premier League game, St Johnston, Livingston, 2002, and I thought, good time to go, and I just announced on the Saturday night to everybody, that's me, my career's finished. My wife didn't ken at the time, I just made the decision, and I went to April, because the grading meeting is in May, right. and I knew... I knew Ayrshire wouldn't get five grade ones. And therefore, I left in April and it hopefully gave Kevin Graham a chance to go to grade one, which I'm glad it did. Uh, and Kevin was at grade one. And I just thought to myself, I'm back in the Premier League, I'm away. I should have left a season earlier because I'd fell out of, I'd fell out of love 
with refereeing and the way I get treated. And do you can do you do you miss it now? Like obviously, like do you? Scott, I, I genuinely mean it. No, I genuinely mean I don't miss refereeing at all. And there's there's chapters in my life that have have came into it, uh, and I'm busy doing other things. I'm obviously commenting and, and refereeing decisions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but no, I don't miss it. Just another, just a kind of last thing. I just want to ask Shankers as well. Obviously, you're you're familiar with Shankers, Talbot number yeah. nine. But like, do you remember a few years ago we it was at a sportsman's dinner for Bolton? Many I'd talked about maybe eight years ago, and you told me the story about you and Colin Montgomery's wife. Aye, aye. We tell that. Are you all right to tell that? I, I met her. I met her in the airport, and uh, I went to her and I says, I says, Amia, is uh, Colin actually as angry as he sees in the television? <laughs> and and he's, she says, and Kenny Clark was walking by me, and he's like, ah, he says, my God, he says, what are you doing, sir? And I says, oh, I'm just asking for regards to there. But uh, the other side of it, no, it's just to get the funny story across about golfers. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. That was a great story. I remember you tell me that was brilliant. But uh, Shankers, obviously, which are, did you ever talk to Charlie when you're at the Talbot Games? No, I just you just hear folks shouting. Uh, you don't care who it is. I don't know where to be him. Uh, he stands behind the dugout, if I'm right. So you don't know. There's a kind of hardy, hardy band in there that are, are, are cheering for you and someone maybe, not cheering against you, but someone maybe... Uh, a few daft shouts, but you try and block that out when you're when you're playing in, in the games and uh, and that's all. It was really it was really good. I was about to ask a point about the uh, referee. See how you said you just made the, the split decision like, off your own back, and yeah. that was you. See, like maybe a week or two later, did you ever think, oh no, kind of I've made the wrong decision? Or you want to go back? No, was that just never never looked back basically? To, to and the reason I went, the reason I went then, Shankers, was because it was the Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. The Easter weekend, and people will always say, "When did you give up refereeing?" It was Easter weekend, <laughs> so it's easy. It was, <laughs> and I just woke up. My pal, my pal at the time came down for Ross County, uh, for uh, Dingwall. He stayed in Evington. He was outside Evington, and he says, "He says, can we every match official gets two complimentary tickets?" So he says, "Can we go up and use your tickets?" I says, "I never bother. They were up cheering on Ross County and that." And then uh, I said to John Hughes in the dressing room, and John was the manager of Livingston at the time, and he says, "How are you getting on?" I says, "Ah, fine, no bad, blah blah." blah. I says, "That's my last game, John." He says, "What?" I says, "That's my last game. What retiring through age or everything?" I says, "No, I've given up." And then um, we Bobby Barr, remember we Bobby Barr, Bobby Livingston, we Bobby. Eighty-five minutes, uh, seventy-five minutes. There's a substitution getting made, and the Tannoy announcer. And we just like to make a special mention that this is Charlie Richmond's last game, the referee. <laughs> and we Bobby Barr turned around and he says, "You are effing joking, man." The decent guys like you are leaving, and we've still got idiots like, and they're still refereeing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, that was when my pal found out that I was getting up refereeing as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on, Charlie. It's been great to talk to you. Again, we no bother. Charlie will enjoy this. Um, a good friend of mine is uh, John McQuaid, who is the fitness coach for the <laughs> refs. And it, it didn't matter what game I was at at the weekend. I was going on a Monday when I worked at the school. 
enjoy them. See, what game was it? I would say, oh, come on, at hearts. They say, how was the ref? And every single week, I would just say, not fat enough. And he used to actually take it quite, quite personally, but he, he sends his best wishes as well, Charlie, because I spoke to him last week. Very I good. But I, remember, I, remember, I remember Big John. Um, another thing as well, I get uh, Sunsuke Nakamura, the Celtic player, took me right out at Tanadice. I snapped my, my ligaments. I was I out for 13 that. weeks. I, I was out for 13 that. weeks. Aye. Um, i tell you a wee funny story about it when we come back. Um, I was out for 13 weeks. I went to John Callaghan. Uh, John got me back, the, the sports guy. Got me back walking, got me back. And I went, and the next thing the SFA turned around and said, you need to do a fitness test to get you back into refereeing. I says, what? I'm the only referee that's ever done this. And John McQuaid took me at Barhead. That's obviously uh, where, he, where he worked at, Mark. Yeah, I worked at Barhead Academy. I had to go up. I think it was a Thursday, Thursday lunchtime or a Thursday evening. And I'd done the bleep test until John was happy that I was fit, I was fit enough. And uh, that was me signed off to do my game on the Saturday. So that was a Thursday to the Saturday. <laughs> but um, I was out for 13 weeks. And this is, this is amazing about... Sunsuke could hardly speak English. He had an interpreter all the time. My first game back involving Celtic was Celtic Hearts. And after the game, he chapped the door and he came in and he apologised for taking... Okay. And I says, it's nobody's fault. He says, what had actually happened was, I was working with a sports psychologist at the time, a guy called John Mathers from Stirling Uni, very good guy. And he was watching all my games. And he says, Charlie, I had just turned down a penalty for Dundee United. Turns out it was a stonewall penalty I should have given it. <laughs> I turned away and I was replaying the penalty in my mind. Mm -hmm. And John says, if you hadn't have been replaying that penalty and concentrating in the game, you'd have saw that Sinsuke fellow had stumbled in the ball and you wouldn't have kept running in the same way. And he clattered right into me. And I just, my ankle's away. You know that way when you get up and you've just spongy feeling? I thought, oh, that's away. Nine Wells Hospital, X-ray, 13 weeks later. But Sunsuke came back into the dressing room and we had a blether. Now, the dressing room is full where there's the police, there's the referee observer, there's a security guy, and everybody, as soon as he left, everybody turned around and says, what a guy, mm -hmm. unbelievable. And I said, thanks very much, guys. But that was in Suki. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. As I say, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. It's been... No bother. No bother, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Brilliant. And, and uh, obviously wish you well in your, in your wee um, media excursion, as they say. And I hope it goes well for you. Thanks very much. See, just before we go, I just want to kind of quickly touch on what's coming up. We've got a, a couple of questions. Just a wee quick, quick one for Stephen Nicol. I just wanted to ask Wilson about this, and Andy can jo join in. What do you think about St Marin and Kilmarnock's COVID, regula COVID regulations? How I know points out of it. I think it's an absolute disgrace how it's happened. But Wilson, obviously, Kilmarnock perspective. What's your kind of thoughts on it? Um, I mean, it's. <laughs> I think I think over the over the course, and I think there's different. Again, we spoke about earlier about different folk jobs for the boys. There's different rules to cup games as there is to league games. Um, and 
I again, if and it's a big if, if they are found guilty, surely we as the fans need to know what they did to come yeah, to that verdict. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. We need to know because that may help. Uh, Hamilton Aki's next week. They do something like, oh, that's how St. Long get fined, so they would stop doing it. We need to know what the crime is to how help other How can you punish now, a team for the coronavirus? But as I've said, and I, I know uh, Shanker's having a pop at me as he does every day in WhatsApp, <laughs> wait till this happens to Celtic or Rangers. Just wait, and it'll be absolute Armageddon. And what's going to happen further down the line is if they're not deducting three points and rules cheat or whatever, then all hell will break loose. And I think Jack Ross, I think he interviewed this, he was quite diplomatic about the whole thing, saying it was wrong. You know, see, seeing any other walk of life, hopefully going strike over that. I think it's a disgrace that they're punishing teams for having outbreaks of coronavirus. We're touching that earlier with amateurs. Every single work department, we're going to have cases. How can you punish... How can you punish people for that? I don't get it. Charlie, what's your kind of thoughts on it as well? I, I get I get where you're coming from, from the anger prospect of it, but yes, there's going to be clubs that are going to pick it up, but if you read into it or you see the wording from it, they've broke the protocols, and it looks as if they weren't meeting the two-metre social distance off the park. They seem to be sitting around the pre-match lunch table or whatever, and also the transporting, what we were saying about the amateur. From, it looks as if they've broke the protocols from that side, and that's why they've, they've, they've been hit with these uh, punishments. Now, it'll be interesting to see if this is an investigation is going to be raised with Dundee United, mm -hmm. because it seems that um, um, early indications show that they have broke the protocols as well, will there be an investigation with regards to that? So it's the club and the concept of they've broke the protocols. Yes, we will get clubs who test positive through no fault of their own, but it's because they've broke the protocols. And also as well, as what's good for one club must be good for every club as you try and get that uniformity across. I reckon, um, sorry, I believe that... Uh, Kilmarnock have, have took legal advice on it to see what the the, the, the chance of appeal or um, getting it quashed, but uh, it's the breaking of the protocols. You will get players. Uh, we saw a game at the weekend. Was it Clyde against? Um, that was called. Uh, yeah, that was called off again because of, of, of people testing. Is it a case now that every game it's going to get called off? Is the SPFL going to investigate and why it was? And then if they're found to be breaking these protocols, is there a sanction of, of a 3 nothing one for the team and possibly a fine out there? You've got to watch. You've got to watch you don't open a can of worms. Yeah, well, that, that, See the thing with Clyde? Oh, sorry. sorry, anyway. oh, yeah, right, Mark, sorry. You See the thing with Clyde and that? They're part-time, so a player could pick it up at his workplace. Yeah. Then, so well, that was an example as well. It'll be much harder for the clubs to stick to, to control it. Man at, to yes. man at full time, so they can almost kind of go into a bubble. But but your average uh, part time player is going in a building site here, an office there, and coming in. They're coming in with totally uh, different people at all times. So it, it'll be much harder to kind of police that, as as they yes. say, for for that side. Of it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. 
but as long as they have not broken their protocols, a hundred percent it'll be difficult. It's the same with yourself, uh, Mark, playing in the in the, the the tier six of the professional game. We saw games at the weekend and that getting called off because yeah. of people test. If they have been proven to be the it's outside than the place of worker, because there's so many. This bubble, this bubble is the new buzzword. But how big is this bubble? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? yeah. We're all living in this bubble, as, as effectively. But it's the it's the breaking of the protocols. It's it's highlighted, and that's why the fine and the and the, and the matches are worth it. I think we need to be told what the protocols they broke are. I think oh, they were the social distancing at, at meals, and they were travelling, and they were car sharing and travelling. Right. So I, I don't know if you've seen the the distasteful scenes at Celtic Park tonight. That full Celtic squad must all be that parts of Hamilton bus. Mm-hmm. I bet that there's two buses so they, they can sit, say, like two rows back or whatever. That's how there's two team buses kind of hang. And the, again, big, probably the only big team Celtic Rangers, you know, they, they'll probably meet for breakfast before training, I would imagine. Are, are they all going to the dining hall and all sitting two metres apart having their breakfast? You would like well, to think they are. Uh, right. I, I, I know I, you're not. I'd like to think they are as well, but I can tell yes. you probably not. <laughs> but if, if again, if players test positive, i.e., three, four, five, six, seven, which calls a match to be uh, unable to fulfil, then the SPFL will investigate it. Whether we agree with it, again, back to about a refereeing decision, whether we agree with it or not, we're going to respect it with regards to that. But yeah, if they're found guilty of breaking these protocols, it might be a good idea for them to come out once the case is finished. Once the case has been finished, it might be a good idea to come out and say, well, this is why you lost the game 3-0, because you couldn't fulfil it on you broke these pro- this protocol, this protocol, and this protocol. And then... That transparency is overlooking for. 100%. Why, why, why could Kilmarnock and uh, St. Martin no able to rearrange their match with Motherwell to play that another time? Because they, they, again, they're into this. They don't have enough fixtures. They don't have enough free fixtures in the see, season. See the thing is, so like Rangers and Celtic are playing a Thursday night in the Europa League. So why could let them all play on a Wednesday night or something? Or, exactly. or there's no supporters, so they could play in a in a Tuesday afternoon or something like a reserve game. Like, kind of thing. You know. This is this is the this is where you is get that into a punishment it. type of thing. Is that is that what it basically is? This is where you go into another legal and another thing. You're not allowed to schedule matches on Champions League nights in Europe, but you can rearrange matches that have been postponed. You can't schedule out straight away mm-hmm. on those, part- and that's where you fall into a different, a, a different thing. Now they want everybody know to do it. Uh, so that the maximum audience of the Champions League games and stuff like that, yeah, I, you you'll know a hundred percent well, Mark. And this is no a, a slant in any way, shape, or form. When you played your reserve games with United, you played at Hurlford uh, on a Thursday afternoon at two o'clock. Uh, and well, there, uh, one man uh, and a dog, but there was three uh, officials yeah. that turned up. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because there's no fans, but again, it's the. It's the Hindi, so mm-hmm. this is where you. Well, we can't reschedule this. We can't reschedule that. Definitely. But they have kind of, they have kind of. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but they've laid down a marker. They've done it now, so it has to go across the board, kind of thing. Like, it'll be know, interesting. It's like, it's like 
I'm a ref game a yellow card in the first five minutes. Can every tackle after that can people say it has to be can a yellow? If you know what I mean, he's laid in a marker. So uh, obviously, the season, if teams break break rules, uh, then then it's going to have to be the same punishment. But obviously, Dundee United fulfilled their fixture, but they've Aye. still tested positive. So there's 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 maybe a, a, an investigation of why they got it because of this, but because they fulfilled their fixture, they'll no suffer, well, Hamilton beat them to nothing, but um, <laughs> there'll they, no be that bigger uh, influence of the decision, i.e. 3 nothing win to, to Livingston. I've seen something about they have done a team photo or something like that, and obviously they're all close together, so that's not where it's... This is a possibility. We need to wait mm-hmm. and see how it... It all develops, etc., etc. So that is going to do us for this week. Again, I want to thank Charlie, our special <laughs> guest, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure to welcome you on, and I hope you'll join us again. Anytime, uh, Scott, Mark, Brilliant. Mark, anytime. Great to see you. Any, you need any refereeing, uh, should we say, knowledge of the games, then, <laughs> then give somebody else a shout. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Wilson and Shankers, again, pleasure to be on. Thank you very much for doing it. No, oh my pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you. And we'll see everyone next week. We'll be back next week. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheers.